0: Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kate Bellew, and my co-host, Kristen Lizenby.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lizenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. So here we are, the final episode of season two. I know, I'm like
0: crying and also excited yeah (laughs) the good news is though listeners that we'll have two bonus episodes this summer and they're going to be conversations with witches who you know and love so look for one in july and one in august and then we'll be back in time for the autumn equinox at the end of september with season three If you have thoughts, questions, suggestions, conversations you are excited to hear in season three, please write to us and let us know because we'll be planning later in the
1: summer. Yes, and before we get into today's episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone, to you, Kate, like the best co-host and partner I could have ever asked for. Um, thank you for meeting with me every week. And also to Shelby, the head witch in charge and visionary of Tamed Wild, mm-hmm. everyone in the Tamed Wild coven, Julio, our amazing, patient, kind editor, and of course our listeners who send us the sweetest messages Thank you for seeing us. I'm honored that you tune into Magic and Alchemy each week, eager to listen to two witches talk books and magic and Sabbats and art and goats. So thank you. We see you. We love you. Um, and we're just so grateful for you. Kristen, I love you.
0: <laughs> Honestly, this is just such a dream project. I was... Um, mm-hmm. Reflecting about our process over the last two seasons the other day, and I was just so damn proud of us for learning in public as we go, you know, two witches who have never met in real life and never recorded a podcast before, you know. And Witch Wide Web, I'm so obsessed with you, and I'm so grateful to learn from each other and evolve and change daily in our practices as humans and witches and just, you know, echoing everything you said, Kristen. Thank you, Shelby and Julio. We could not do it without you both. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you all.
1: Yeah, it truly takes a village. hmm Okay, so summer plans. What are you doing? I know last year you did a lot of traveling. I think you even went to Alaska, if I'm not (laughs) mistaken. So do you have any travel plans for this summer?
0: Yeah, last summer was wild. I was teaching at a retreat in Tulum um, with our guest earlier in the season, Bobby Klein. You know, I miss yeah. him so much, and I spent a lot of time in Michigan last summer. And, and I did meet Cody in Alaska as he rode his motorcycle to the four corners of the U.S. But. This summer, I'm looking forward to a little bit more of a New York City summer, you know, trips to Fort Tilden, the Catskills. I'm still going to go to Michigan for a little bit for my mom's birthday and also a quick trip in June for Electric Forest. Um, If any of our listeners will be there, let me know. But yeah, I am excited for summer. What about you, Kristen? What are your
1: travel plans? Well, I'm really jealous of your travel plans because I won't be doing much traveling this summer um, because, as you know, we rent out our mm-hmm. guest home um, to travelers and people visiting the Azores um, during this time. It's like the high season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, this is when um, my husband and I are so focused on like growing and harvesting the bulk of our produce for the year. Um, So we're kind of tied down, but, you know, Taurus moon here. I love my home. So I'll be feeding my wanderlust in other ways, like vicariously living through my friends' adventures and also, you know, just like spending some time exploring summer portals, which we're going to talk about in a little bit here. I'm keeping my eye on that uh,
0: Azores flight tracker, by the way. Yes, please do dreams um (laughs) did you have any favorite parts of season two
1: how can one decide we met so many cool humans and witches this year um I really enjoyed our witchy business series where we Mm -hmm. focused on magical practitioners running their own companies I really really liked our conversation about Medusa uh also cannabis magic was really fun Mm -hmm. and the what is magic episode where our listeners wrote in how they view magic and witches and witchcraft. I would like to do another one um, like that where our listeners contribute to the conversation. Mm-hmm. But what about you? Any moments stick out?
0: Yeah, I loved all of those. And and second, that listener contribution part two. Um, but I just really mm-hmm. love the conversations that we got to have in season two, like, Big shout out to Maya Toll and Amanda Paulson of Pretty F and Spooky, Maria the Arcane, Kara Kovacs, Lorraine Anderson of Spirit Element, Shelby Bundy, the creator behind Tamed Wild, our astrologer, Riss Cottrell, Liza Fenster, Aja Deschur, The Missing Witches, Dr. Bobby Klein, Val of Woodspell Apothecary, and our Tamed Wild friends, the Witchy Business series. I mean, what a total honor to know these witches and magic makers, and just spend time in conversation with them. Um, in season three, I'm looking forward to digging deeper, to exploring more liminal spaces and nooks and crannies of witchcraft, hearing new folklore, and being introduced to new ways of being. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think just finding more obscure folk tales and fairy tales and myth to share maybe some spooky stories. Um, Those are always my favorite.
0: Agreed. So, what have we got for our last episode of Season 2?
1: Well, I know last year we did an episode on stone circles and spirals, and I sort of want to continue that conversation and branch off, uh, talk about some other summer portals and thresholds for anyone who's like me and unable to leave their home for whatever reason. But before we dive into some summer portals, if anyone wants to hear us talk about the history of Litha, Standing Stones, Labyrinths, or Spirals, listen to episode 30 from season one. I'm going to make a bold claim here. And that is, I think nearly anything can be a portal, so long as we view it that way. Each season is a portal, an eclipse is a portal, sabbats are portals, a well-loved book is a portal, the moments between sleep and awake can be portals, um, a garden, trees, the ocean, you name it, it's probably a portal, at least to someone. But what do I mean when I say Portal. I'll start with some traditional dictionary definitions. Merriam-Webster says that a portal is a door or entrance, especially a grand or imposing one. A portal can also be the whole architectural composition surrounding and including the doorways and porches of a church, or the approach or entrance to a bridge or tunnel. And finally, a portal is a communicating part or area of an organism. When I looked up the etymology for portal, it mostly took me back to the Latin word porta, which basically means gate. So no surprise there. But when I began to break down the word and focus on the root, I found some interesting points that I wanted to share. The word portal has ties to the Sanskrit word periati, which means carries over also the Greek poros, which means journey, passage, or the way. There were other mentions like hordan, an Armenian word which I'm likely mispronouncing, but it means go forward. There is also the Slavonic pariti, which means to fly, and my favorite, paratush, from an old Iranian language that references a bridge. And it's that last one, paratouche, that points to a portal as a bridge that really struck a chord with me. Because I often think of portals as bridges connecting multiple worlds or opposing states of being. Sometimes portals are synonymous with thresholds, but not always. In certain cases, we talk about crossing a threshold during times of intense concentration. For witches, this might be when we partake in ritual or spell work, meditation, breath work, trance work, uh, when we're deep in our creative flow, or any time we depart the physical realm for the spiritual. Often, we can't see these thresholds. They're invisible, but we know they exist. We might access this invisible line, this threshold, or curtain through certain tools like mirrors, um, elements like fire or water, standing stones, crystals, talismans, pen and paper, or our breath. These things, these tools we use to cross these thresholds, these are what I see as portals.
0: Mm, I love that, Kristen. And it just conjures up the idea of the crossroads for me to like the sort yeah. of space of the in-between or the more than real and the possibility and potential of these spaces and moments.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, so I was I was thinking about all of this and the fact that I won't be able to travel, it just got me wondering, like, what are some of the summertime portals that we can access right now? And I know we all live in, you know, various parts of the world, but I know from this list, there is at least one thing that we all can visit this summer, like this first one. This portal is physical, but also not physical. It's today. We know today as Litha, midsummer, the summer solstice, and this cosmic alignment is 100% a portal. I was talking with Marissa Cottrell, all my ancestors on Instagram, who's been on the podcast a few times now and will be back in Season 3 for more Astro Insights and also over the summer, but I asked her about the solstice as a portal and her thoughts on that, and she told me that Litha is a portal, as with any Sabbath. However, any time we transition from one zodiac sign to another, that is also a portal— So right now at Litha, we're moving from Gemini to Cancer, a sign that symbolizes air to one that embodies the element of water. This is interesting that Cancer as a water sign appears at summer solstice, a point on the wheel of the year that's traditionally dedicated to fire and the sun. This is a reminder that polar opposites are not enemies. They are here to keep us in balance, even when faced with extremes. She also told me that the moon will be conjunct Neptune in Pisces, which is very portal-like and continues the theme of being at one with water, even as the sun is at its strongest.
0: I really love this, and I also feel like the kind of like birth chart house system is totally a portal in itself.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good one as well. And you know, it just makes sense. Like, I think of the summer solstice as a portal because it's when the sun is at its zenith, Um, you know, it's a pivotal moment, the sun is a tool, and if we want, perhaps we'll use it as a portal for aligning with the frequency of abundance or becoming more action-oriented or taking the steps needed to become the hero or heroine of our own story. But in moderation— Like, you know, don't forget to take naps and breathe and rest and remember that water, like the sun, heals and nourishes. And, you know, I'm talking about all this in relation to the physical sun, but there's also the sun tarot card we can work with or a lit candle homemade sun tea that you brewed at noon when the sun was really strong. There are sunstones and suncatchers and other sorts of things that represent a similar solar energy that we might use as a portal. Alchemists refer to the sun as philosophical sulfur. We can use the sun as a portal for illumination, alchemizing a potion or an idea, and to be more courageous when safeguarding that which we love. This leads perfectly into another summer portal that I love dearly and ties in with what Riss was saying, and that is the ocean. Mm. Truthfully, any body of water can be a portal. So if you live near a lake like I did growing up, I grew up by um, Lake Shasta, by Mount Shasta. That's definitely a portal. Uh, Also waterfalls, rivers, and even a creek. I love that. Yes. During my research, I came across a passage that was talking about the general symbolism of water, and it said that whether we're talking about freshwater or salt water, the ocean, the rivers, the lakes, all these bodies of water stand for, quote, the sum of all the possibilities of one plane of existence, end quote. I find this so interesting because... You know, we know that water is life, and scientists believe that life began in the oceans, and spiritually, the ocean symbolizes creativity, um, you know, both in the literal and metaphoric sense. And as an element, water carries a feminine, receptive, life-giving energy. Because water is formless and bodies of water are always moving, especially the ocean, floating in a lake or the sea can serve as a portal when we're calling in transformation, especially if that means transitioning into a newer, updated version of self. If we are hesitant or resistant to change, remember that the ocean is the original shapeshifter. The Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu said that, quote, water never rests neither by day nor by night. When flowing above, it causes rain and dew. When flowing below, it forms streams and rivers. Water is outstanding in doing good. If a dam is raised against it, it stops. If a way is made for it, it flows along that path. Hence, it is said that it does not struggle, and yet it has no equal in destroying that which is strong and hard end quote.
0: Mm.
1: these words are just like so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I also want to add that I think bodies of water are great for remembering. You know, they say all life comes from the water and all life will return to it. And so, if we believe in many lives, as I know many of us do, it would make sense that water holds memory. And by us submerging ourselves in In those memories, we have access to these waves of remembrance. It's similar to when you get in the shower and you have like these great aha moments. And, you know, anytime someone tells me they thought of like a new concept or a cool theory while in the shower, I always tell them to go for it um, and to follow wherever it may lead because I think the thoughts that come to us when we are connected to water are a bridge to something greater. Um, perhaps a remembrance or a recollection of some sort.
0: I'm laughing because that's exactly what happened with this episode, isn't it? Like, I was like, okay, here are some thoughts I had in the shower 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Kristen, what should we do?
1: (laughs) I was absolutely talking about you. I didn't want to call you out. um, (laughs) But yeah, listeners, often Kate will be like, I had this idea for an episode while I was in the shower. And I'm like, okay, we're doing it. So yeah. (laughs) Today's episode inspired by Kate's shower.
0: I often think of plants as portals. Um, There are many legends of the bodies and roots of trees being passages into other worlds. Um, I first think of Pan's Labyrinth when Ophelia passes through the trees to complete the first of her tasks and meets the great frog creature who lives within the earth there. Mythology around the world references the tree of life, the world tree, and points to different trees that are sacred, knowing, and stand guard between this world and the next. DJ Conway wrote in Of Oak, Ash, and Thorn, a book about Celtic shamanic practices, becoming acquainted with the world tree that stands at the center of the world is very important this tree is the center post, the connecting link between the present realm of existence and the upper world and underworld. Some use it to descend into the underworld by going through its roots or use the visualization of a tunnel beneath it, as well as climbing into the tree to reach the upper world, end quote. I often think about the roots of the willow tree that straddle both land and water as a portal, or the great branches and body of oak, the fairies using ash as a doorway between this and the next. And, speaking of fairies, mushrooms can be a portal as well. You may have seen fairy rings, arches and circles of mushrooms on the ground in a meadow or grassy area or in the forest, and this has long been a thought Um, that you kind of travel or fall into the world of the fairies by way of this mushroom circle. So definitely be careful with this portal for sure. (laughs) Um, And you know, of course, mushrooms when ingested can be a portal um, to literal death if you're not careful. But (laughs) if you know what you're doing, uh, the worlds within the worlds can be viewed with these fungi you know, like I mentioned earlier, the crossroad is a portal as well. The crossroads is a space of the in-between, the decision, the moment just before a decision or a deal. We've talked about crossroads in earlier episodes as the place where our beloved Hecate rules supreme, the place of Jay's grave, and the space in American folklore where the talented fiddler trades a soul to the devil. So much like the message from the summer goddess Anya in last week's episode, decisions themselves are portals. Once we decide to do something, the world and our intent is altered and changed. The crossroads are a perfect space to hold us in those moments just before. And this is where magic is made, when we're able to hear our guides more clearly and know just what we must do. I also think of the moon as a portal, which we've spoken about in our moon magic episodes, but all you need to do to interact with this portal, wherever you are in the world, is look up and feel the moon's presence. Depending on the phase and the sign the moon is residing in, the magic is a bit different, and eclipses are some of the most powerful moon portals there are. I invite you to spend a month tracking the moon phase and sign with your mood, feelings, creativity, or all three. Soon, you'll have a new view into the world of moon magic and how your body itself is synced up to these cycles. And last of all, I wanted to talk about stones as portals. If you're like me, you may be always paying attention when you're in nature for just like the perfect palm stone, especially by rivers. Um, And like I mentioned last episode, I was taking a geomancy course, and now I can't help but think about how divination is created by and from the earth as portal. In Of Oak, Ash, and Thorn by DJ Conway, quote, Quartz or rock crystals have a magical history around the world. The Celts called them stars within the earth. Some shamanic cultures speak of the introduction of crystals into the body of an initiate. This is not meant to be understood as an actual physical action. The introduction of crystals and or iron bones occurs during a shamanic journey to the other worlds where the great initiation is performed. Certain types of stones were held as magically valuable to the Celts. Dobby stones have a hollow in them, and they were used to call up winds. The hagstone was a stone with a natural hole in it. It was used for protection. Snake stones, not the glass ones used by druids, were probably the fossilized remains of mollusks, a spirally marked stone. They are connected with the labyrinth and the earth dragon of the goddess. Star stones are sea lily or coral fossils with the mark of a five-point star on them, a symbol of the four elements plus spirit. Fairy stones are crystals of starlight which form a cross shape. And in each stone, there is a possibility. Maybe there is a hole to peer through. Maybe there is a pattern. Maybe it is the meditative way it sits in your palm or the prism it creates if it's crystalline. Stones hold other worlds. In From Afar, It Is an Island, a photo book of stones by Bruno Munari in 1972, a quote, stones are like small worlds if you look at them well you discover many things images stories strange markings and stones become jungles oceans meadows hills or the earth as seen by an astronaut strolling on the beaches of the moon to work with stones as a portal you might want to keep a stone in your pocket peer into its patterns or listen to its messages under your pillow while you sleep rocks are ancient called the Abuelas during a traditional tezmiscal ceremony, they are guiding forces worked with and by scientists to whisper in their ears the very history of the earth, a portal to all that has come before us with all its wisdom. So listeners, happy traveling and summer solstice blessings. <laughs>
1: for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballew. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at k8ballew. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at tamedwild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com.
0: Have a wonderful summer witches. We hope you will tune in for a couple of our special summer episodes in July and August and then we'll be back in September just in time for the autumn equinox. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it so mote it be or something better. Until next time.